I'm Charlie Keegan. This is the Central Wigan Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Central Wigan Podcast. This is episode 12 and it's the day after Colo Torre and Ashvay Jahal and Kevin Betsy have all been sacked from Wigan Athletic. It's our second sacking of the season after sacking Liam Richardson on November the 10th. It took 19 days to appoint Colo Torre after an intensive interview process apparently. He was appointed on November 29th, it lasted nine games in charge and then it took 59 days to sack him. So there's a lot of nines there and I'm sure if you asked a German speaker they would also say nine if it was a good a good appointment. Whilst I can't really deny that the on-field performances were shocking, I think they were the most least inspiring of the season, I think the timing of this stinks. I really think that sacking a manager just before the end of the transfer window is really going to prevent us signing any players on loan because who's going to look at us now and think that we're a credible option for, for them to send their players out to? But one statement that I do just want to read through is Mal Brannigans. He's the chief executive of Wigan Athletic. And upon the sacking, he said, Firstly, I would like to thank Colo, along with Kevin and Ash, for their efforts during the time at the football club. Unfortunately, the results in the field have not been as we would have liked, and a tough decision was made. The board felt it was necessary to give us the best possible chance of remaining a championship club next season. We know that this time of year is a key period for any club, ourselves included, and therefore we will now work swiftly and effectively to ensure the right person is appointed as the next Wigan Athletic Manager with the immediate objective of remaining in the second tier for next season. So the key mention there for me is the objective of remaining in the second tier for next season. So obviously from that, well, I'd to believe that the board want to stay in the championship next season. And now this new manager that we're going to bring in, you've got to say it's the final roll of the dice for trying to make that achievable, but it just is the time. And the, you can't really do this at the end of a transfer window and expect our club not to look like it's in a bit of chaos. Torrey was definitely dealt a bit of a tough set of cards, but he knew what he was getting into. The board knew what they were getting into. Whatever was said in an interview process clearly sparked an interest, but on the field it was shocking. We were leaking goals defensively, and just to run through some of the uh, results that we did get under Colo Torrey. We started with a 1-1 draw at the Den on his debut. That that pulls up to 21st place, so that was a I thought it was a positive performance overall. Then we went to the DW for his debut at home against Sheffield United, and it was a 2-1 loss. I don't think that we started the game very well at all, but the subs that he did make, I thought were positive on the game. But again, that loss dropped us down to 23rd place. Then we went to the Riverside and played Middlesbrough on Boxing Day. We lost 4-1 there. And I said in my post-match review that that was a Christmas Day gift for them. Our game plan was shocking. We ended up losing 4-1. And then we went back, straight back to the DW and lost 4-1 again to Sunderland. We were just defensively slow and naive. That dropped us down to last place in the championship. Then again at the DW, we lost 4-1 to Hull City. And I said there that Torrey just looked completely out of his depth. And I was surprised that he kind of survived that one. I know it was early on in his reign, but which manager survives losing 4-1 three times in a row? Then we went to the Cardiff City Stadium. I thought it was a poor game, but we had a good comeback at the end. Uh, Miguel Aziz, actually, when he celebrated and lifted the flare, he's now just been handed a one-match ban, so he's not going to be at the Blackburn Rovers game at Ewell Park. And then we went back to the DW in the Championship, played Luton Town for the third time this season. And we lost 2-0 there. And a lot of people were saying that was the worst performance of the lot. So it was very uninspiring overall. But I am joined today on the podcast by Dan Stacey, who is from Talking Wigan. It was quite a long chat that we had, but we covered everything from Colo Torre, even touched on Liam Richardson a little bit, Sean Maloney and Graham Barrow. So this is the listen. 
Okay, so I'm joined by Dan Stacey from Talking Wigan, who's come on just to talk about Colo Torre and the sacking. So how are you, Dan? I'm fine, yeah. I'm uh, a bit bit knackered after the past, well, we're coming up to 24 hours now of trying to follow all the news and write things, publish things, tweet things, all sorts. So yeah, it's been hectic as it always is as a Wigan fan. I should be used to it by now. I thought it moved quite fast because I saw a tweet a couple of minutes before um, the the official announcement of the sacking got put out and it was by Alex Crook, who's a journalist. And he said yep. that Colatori is on the brink of being sacked. And when I read that, I thought, all right, he's on the brink. Maybe it's a bit of a warning shot by the board saying if it doesn't improve after January, then, you know, you, you are on the brink. But that on the brink lasted 15 minutes, I think, and then <laughs> it's officially sacked. I was going to say, I'd love to know what tipped that over the edge, what must have happened. Well, I, like I say, I think... I've seen quite a few people talk about it. What what happened post Luton game that has made this sacking happen? Because if it was a purely results based thing, it would have surely they would have pulled the trigger straight after the game, which I would have been fine with to be honest. But yeah, it just feels it just feels weird. Maybe the delay's been sorting out compensation and like finding the new manager. I don't know, but it does feel a bit strange. It it does feel strange, and especially with only, what, four days, well, now four days, it was five days, to the end of the transfer window. If you were going to make a decision like this, at the risk of not making the club look like they're in chaos, surely you would do it after the end of January once you've managed to get some signings through the door, because we don't know who Torre was trying to bring in, but he brought in three. It was Stephen Corker, Miguel Aziz, and Chris Tiahi. So were there more coming in? I know we tried to get Joe Gellar, and that, that obviously never worked out. Yeah. Was there something in the back room that got, you know, screamed between Torre and the board. I don't know. It just, the whole timing of it to me just completely stinks. Yeah, no, agreed. And well, those three signings you mentioned there, you've got an ex-teammate of Colo. You've got national compatriot of him at Ivory Coast uh, in Chris Tihi. And then you've got Miguel Aziz, who essentially came because Kevin Betsy was there. So now that all three have gone, or all three coaches have gone. Like we've got three new signings that are like, well, why are we here? We're here. We came because of who was in charge, and now they've gone within two weeks of being here. So it all just feels weird. And the fact that there's what four days left of the window, and yep. we don't have a manager in place. I'd like to think that whoever is coming in, which looks to be Sean Maloney, I'd like to think there has been some conversation that he's sort of put some names out there but again you can't you can't really do that like it's not a it's not a quick fix so god knows it's it's why we need a director of football in my opinion but that's that's probably a longer discussion no i did i did bring that up on um the progress unity podcast when i was on there because barry asked yeah, yeah. Him, and he's and i mentioned your tweet about the director of football and i said that i do i, think that li- are, I listened to that episode yeah who, who yeah. was it that there was someone that was very anti-director of football i can't remember oh that was paul was, but yeah paul's it paul? uh, yeah yeah, yeah. He's big on that the the books just stop with the manager and and then right, yeah, yeah. should go higher, but which I can kind of understand at this level, but also uh, yeah, no, maybe definitely. a league one. But if it's going championship and you you're trying to become a bit more of a stable club, which at the minute we aren't, we aren't a stable club by any no. means. Then I do think somebody in that director of football position would be good, but it's who you turn to and who you try and get. I, I don't really know. Well, it's it's funny because I was plotting a director of football article for for the website. And Sean Maloney was one of the names that I was I was writing down because I thought he's a he's clearly got a good footballing brain and he sort of took up he was a coach at Belgium. There was an article I read that he was very much a sort of like a almost like a player 
mentality coach. He went round and spent lots of time with the players and really got to the human side of things. And I thought that might make him a, an interesting role for a director of football, but obviously now he's going to be the manager. But yeah, I think with a director of football, for me, it's more about the off the field stuff, the the recruitment so for example if we had a director of football now i wouldn't be like sat here thinking who's in charge of signing more players because that would be their job the fact that we're between managers who in our club at the minute is responsible for such signings like mal brannigan he's not really a you know he's he's great at the uh off the pitch stuff in terms of fan involvement and all this kind of thing but would you trust him to build a you know survival squad i'm not sure i would so that's where i think the director of football would come in handy but Anyway, it's too late for that now. It is. And I think that if there was going to be somebody who I would potentially link, obviously you've said Sean Maloney and, and he's probably coming in as a manager, but Roberto Martinez could be a name that in the future, if he ever wants to yeah. step away from international football and come back, I'm sure that that would be is, beautiful. definitely welcome. I was going to say, in an ideal world, Sean Maloney now starts a... Um a dynasty at Wigan and in five years time Martinez is uh, director of football that would be beautiful <laughs> get Ben Watson back as a heading coach <laughs> with the um the three plays that we brought in just to go back to him do you think that they got enough time under the belts to show that they were credible signings that coming in because just to run through them Stephen Corker got two games played the full 90 in both got two yellow cards and then he made one big mistake but he's owned up to that publicly and he said that he knows what it was what the problem was yeah. he's, he's obviously trying not to do it again Miguel Aziz, two games, 104 minutes. He hasn't had any contributions to goals or assists, but when he came on against Cardiff, he was highly rated and and obviously changed the game a bit there. And then you've got Christ, who came in for his debut, 82 minutes. It was a 2-0 loss to Luton, but the whole crowd was booing Colo Torre when he did get brought off. But if that's yeah. any indication of progress, I think that the three plays that came in were was kind of a bit of a step forward but then all of a sudden we've just sacked a manager and all that progress now, is that going to go to waste or are they going to be able to kick on with Sean Maloney? Well, it's it's a tough one because like we sort of touched on earlier, there's no doubt in my mind that they haven't joined because we're Wigan Athletic. They've joined because Colo Torre and Kevin Betsy and Ashley Jahawa are in charge. With that in mind, do they now sort of throw their toys out the pram and go, you've sort of brought us here on false pretenses almost, you know, we came here because of Colo and now he's not here? Or do they, you know, kick on and muck in and fight? I'm not 100% sure really because just thinking for 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 Christ or Christ or however it's pronounced his his English seemed all right in his interview I how is he now going to fare without a French-speaking manager or French-speaking backroom staff because I can't really think of any other French speakers we've got in the squad unless there's someone that might sort of have that as a skill maybe I don't know do you know what I mean like that's a sort of that's a very lonely position that he could feel like he's in now in the Luton game I thought he was our best player so sort of alienate him straight away I know it's bigger than that and you can't, we shouldn't have kept Colo in charge because we've got a good player who speaks French. That's not really a great model for a club, but it just makes the whole thing even more baffling, to be honest, from, well, from appointing Colo straight through to now, really. Yeah, and I'm not too sure which um, African nations that uh, Ryan Niambe and Tendai Dariqua come from. I know Namibia is Ryan Niambe. Namibia and Zimbabwe, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know which languages they speak predominantly, but... If it's French, obviously they may be able to to help him out. But the the run of performances that Colo Torre put in, obviously, I don't really want to touch on the FA Cup ones too much because that's just two games, and obviously we got ejected out. Of that so we're out of the FA Cup anyway. I, I didn't really have much hope of a an FA Cup charge going through the rounds, but going to the league, seven games, two draws, five defeats, 
six goals scored and 18 conceded. Realistically, should any manager survive three games where you lose 4-1 on the bounce to be able to then be given the Cardiff City game and the Luton Town game? Yeah, no, well, 33% of Colo Torre's games ended in 4-1 defeats. And the other I mean, 33% were against Luton Town. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Guys, just we're a laughing stock at the minute, aren't we? It's a joke. But no, you're right. It's like how many people talk about new manager bounces and a new manager coming in and lifting the whole sort of crowd and... First of all, well, I've touched on this quite a few times in articles that Polo made little to no effort to create that bond between supporters. You know, the sort of iconic Liam Richardson pre-match clap. We haven't seen anything like that. I think bar the, was it Sheffield United, our first home game under Colo, Where uh, he yes. was sort of, he was introduced to the crowd and he came out, clapped a little bit and then went to the dugout and look i know it's not everyone's sort of cup of tea and liam was sort of the nicest guy in football really but you'd sort of assume colo would be along those lines and i I know it's a thankless task following liam richardson because of everything he did for us but you know he, he just i don't know i it might be harsh but i always felt like this was more a how to say this in without sounding too harsh it always felt like colo Torre was there to further his own career rather than ours do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of the interviews were, you know, I'm a brave person. I'll take this job. You know, you shouldn't turn opportunities down. And, you know, I want to be the best coach you can be, which is fair enough. But there wasn't like, I don't know, if a bigger club had come in and offered him the job, he'd have gone in a heartbeat if things had gone well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's all the whole decision to appoint him was strange. The whole decision to sack him, like like you say, you can't really support a run that bad so yeah i do think it's the right call and i guess fair play to the board for acknowledging what a awful decision they made in the first place really yeah i think the whole move you can probably just pin it down to uninspiring is the main word and we started yeah. when, when he came in and we got the the one one draw against millwall it put us to 21st in the league and then we just slowly started to go down but it was the, the 19 days it took from liam getting sacked to Carlo being appointed that apparently it was an extensive interview process that they went through. They settled on Colo Torre out of the blue. There was yep. a couple of other managers in the mentioning. Obviously, Sean Maloney was one that got mentioned at the time. I think the two main front runners were Rob Edwards and Neil Critchley. And we turned them both down and we went for Colo Torre. But looking at Luton Town now, they sit seventh in the championship. They've got four wins and two losses when Edwards has been in charge. They've just knocked us out the FA Cup. And QPR sit 13th with one win, four draws and one loss in their six league games as well. To me... Just going with Colo Torre, just seeing what we could have is even more of a kick in the teeth. Rob Edwards, I thought when Luton Town played us, I thought they looked really well drilled, they looked confident. And they're not the most technically gifted set of players in the world, but they knew what they were meant to do. Wigan Athletic did not know what they were doing on that field. No, well, there's that infamous video that has been floating around Twitter, I think from uh, Ellis Patton away days, and it's us doing a warm-up that literally looks like my old Sunday league team. If we warmed up like that, we'd have got an absolute bollocking. So I don't see how that's allowed in the championship, really. It's ridiculous. To be fair, I don't think that, that warm-up's too far off how we actually did play on the field as well. Well, yeah, to be fair, yeah. Walking around. Yeah, start as you mean to go on, I suppose. Fair play there. They're at least consistent. But Rob Edwards and Neil Critchley, God, the amount of times I tweeted or wrote about them and just said, look, do anything you can to get one of them in. Because proven good managers, man, both managed in the championship, both have a sort of unwavering philosophy and style of play. Like I, I wrote about Sean Maloney in that Sensible Appointments article as well, uh, which, by the way, I'm not going to do another one of them because <laughs> I think that the one I previously wrote has barely gone cold yet. Um, but yeah, Sean Maloney, I, I did say, look, he's he suits Wigan and 
the style of play is is good but it's that lack of experience really that was why i think a lot of people were suggesting critchley edwards wilder i've seen warburton's name thrown around danny cowley and is sort of an out there one but the sort of the common theme is they've all got experience obviously we appointed colo who's got no experience of management and then maloney's got what is it 19 games or something along I those used, lines i think it's just 15 at, at hibs maybe there's right. more within the cup competitions because i know we got to the scottish cup semi-finals and they got knocked out by hearts i think it was but i think yeah. it's 15 in the league they got two wins i think they opened up the wins against aberdeen and dundee and then after that they got one win six draws and six losses so it was a bit of a right a bit of a downfall but there was an interview that i found and it was with the edinburgh evening news and it was about sean maloney's time at hibernian and they said, mm-hmm. with Hibbs being Maloney's first role as manager in his own right, it would be expected that there will be hiccups along the way. He even said that in his first interviews. But he inherited a team struggling for results and performances, and although enjoyed consecutive wins, results and performances after that did not match those from before. The players collectively spoke of enjoying his training and his ideas, and he had more luck on the injury front. Or if he had more luck on the injury front, he might still be in the job. That to me just <laughs> looks like a carbon copy of Wigan Athletic. Yeah. Struggling for no, results yeah, of injuries. Well, I was going to say, I read a thing on the coach's voice of uh, an interview Sean Maloney did, and he said that so- Hibs sold their best attacking midfielder and lost their best striker to a season-ending injury. But I think what's what is worth mentioning, which may calm some of the listeners down if they are a bit worried about Maloney, is they had the third best defensive record in the league during his time there behind Celtic and Rangers, obviously. And they play a sort of 3-4-1-2 or 3-4-2-1 system, which I do think suits as good as any other formation. I mean, it's what Colo was trying towards the end, except he just couldn't get anywhere near sort of results or the right personnel in place. But I think, yeah, the, the fact that he knows how to set up a team defensively and he's spent best part of a year out of the game studying attacking patterns of play and whatnot. I think that we should be quite positive about that. And I know I t- tweeted earlier that we've got to stick by Maloney because this is a long-term uh, appointment now. This this isn't a short fix. We've got to give him the rest of the season and he's got to sort of replace 10 or 15 players in the summer with 10 or 15 more because of how many are out of contract and we've we've got to stick by him and it's not going to be easy to say because obviously people can fire back with well wasn't that the same with Colo Torre you know I don't know I feel like I'm not sure about your thoughts on this but the fact that he's got any managerial history and he knows the club and he knows the English lower tiers a bit better than Colo Torre does it feels like a slightly less risky appointment. Yeah, I think it is. And when you talked about Liam Richardson coming out there and doing the the pre-match clap and bringing sort of values to the club that we do really like, I do think that Sean Maloney is going to bring that because he seems a genuinely nice guy. He was at Wigan for, what, four or five years. He's obviously won the FA Cup with us. He knows what it means to be a Wigan supporter as well as a a player. So I think that he is going to be that, that really good managerial appointment for us he might not have full of experience but like you said in the coach's voice um article that got put out he worked with Roberto Martin as there and he was a manager but also the technical director so he was going around yeah. and he was obviously watching how Roberto was doing it with the Belgian squad so elite level players like company De Bruyne Hazard but then he was also flying around to wherever they were playing like I think he went to Atlanta to go and watch their coach he went to Inter Milan to watch Conte so yeah. you can't really understate the amount of information that he's going to have absorbed. And yeah, you're not going to make Wigan Athletic play like Inter Milan, but you're <laughs> going to at least be able, you're going to see the game differently to what Colo Torre has and potentially to what Liam Richardson has as well. 
So I think that whilst it is a bit of more, it is still a risk because he has only really had 15 games in management in, in a league. I do think that he's going to be able to bring something quite good to our side. Yeah, definitely. And there's, there's sort of a, a similar case study to, to this with, with Eddie Howe, who obviously had so much more experience in management than Maloney. So I'm not saying it's a direct comparison, but after the, he left Bournemouth, he took an extended period out of the game, travelled around the world, watching all sorts of different managers, picking up all sorts of different styles, different sort of drills to do in training, different patterns of play, all this sort of thing. And then waited by his time and got this job at Newcastle. And I know <laughs> look, they've got far more money and better players and bigger club, obviously. But I, th- I feel like time out of the game really it can go one of two ways it can either sort of kill your enthusiasm and you go into punditry or whatever like a lot of managers do or which i think will be the case with maloney he's got all of this experience and know-how of how to set up a team defensively clearly at hibernian and now hopefully touch wood he knows how to uh, set up a decent attacking team as well because we need all the help we can get at both ends of the pitch really yeah, and I think that whilst he's going to have a huge job on his on his hands, I think it is that time out of football that's going to help him. And to be honest, I really do hope that Liam Richardson is also taking that route. I'm glad that he hasn't jumped into another job. Yeah, and I think definitely. Taking time out and learning his craft, because Maloney said that he's been spending, because I think he got sacked from Hibernian April 2022, and he spent this entire time learning what he needs to do to be able to come back. So yeah. I don't understand why the board didn't really go for somebody like him and they went for Torrey, but hopefully he can come in now and save us. But I've said for the last few weeks that my big saving grace on the performances that we've been putting in and where we are is that the league is still quite tight. And realistically, yeah. I think four points would get us level with the edge of the relegation zone, but we'd be out of it on goal difference. So if we can get five points, we're essentially in the running again. So I'm glad that we've had our bad time now and we can hopefully kick it on towards the rest well, of the season. Well, you, you say that, you say that, but... We had a bad time under Liam Richardson, and then we were like, right, that's that's been and gone. We're fine now. And then <laughs> then none in nine. So yeah. I mean, I've I've been saying it all along. We just need a run. We need th- a three match and beaten run, two wins and a draw. That's seven points. We'd be level if not out of the relegation zone. Like it's it's ridiculously tight. So I do agree. It's it's not like a it's not a foregone conclusion that we're getting relegated, but the squad is simply not very good like that's the that's the beginning end of it really yeah it's not it's not brilliant but even going off Matt Brannigan's statement yesterday he said that we're going to now work swiftly and effectively to ensure the right person is appointed as manager with the immediate objective of remaining in the championship for next season so obviously he's not going to come out and say well we're remitting relegation we're going to yeah. go back to league one and rebuild because that would cause chaos that even well, I was going to say I'd like I'd like to see I'd like to see how similar those words are to the words after we sat Liam Richardson because I imagine they are almost identical you know so i don't want to don't want to sort of be too harsh but i would have hoped that we'd have got more players in by now and we were touching earlier on how sort of weird this timing is perhaps the decision was made to get uh, colo out maloney in maybe after the losing game and these past few days have been sort of negotiating and whatnot and if that's true then perhaps maloney has given some names put some names out there or some types of players maybe that he'd like to see but again I guess these next four days will be very very interesting because well I think three positions minimum goalkeeper left back and attacker midfield but you could easily make a case for five or six so yeah it'll be be a busy busy time at Christopher Park I can imagine 
Yeah, we've definitely had some big dealings on deadline day before in the past, but I, <laughs> I do think this one's going to be a lot quieter than, than we've usually seen. But I do agree that left back, to me, is the most needed one. Gellart would have been nice, I think, for sort of a homecoming and, and try and give the fans a bit of a boost. But realistically, did we need a striker prioritising over a left back? I don't think so. I think they yeah. go for a left back is needed. I don't know how far Tom Pierce, Tom Pierce is from being back to full fitness. Joe Bennett is keep getting injured. James McLean, love the guy, but I don't think that he's a left wing back through and through. I prefer no. him when he's much higher up the field. So that is a lot of ground for him to cover at 33 years old. I don't know. I think a left back needed. Goalkeeper, going to be so hard to get on, on deadline day. Yeah, that, that's the that's the problem. Yeah, I just really don't want to watch Ben Amos or Jamie Jones anymore, to be honest. We desperately need a new goalkeeper. I mean, statistically, based on XG on target, we have the two worst in the division by like a considerable margin. You know, even if Maloney's great at setting up a defensive system that limits chances for the opposition, I'd still wouldn't be confident that those chances would be saved. Do you know what I mean? So I'd, I'm at the point where could we do any worse than Sam Tickle? Do you know what I mean? Like I know he's barely had any experience and he was playing sort of seventh tier or eighth tier of English football on loan. So I know that's not much of a, uh, a sample size to go off, but, you know, it would be sort of like how Charlie Hughes has come in and sort of impressed everyone. It would be nice if we had a goalkeeper to do that. But I guess, like everything, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. It's definitely going to be interesting from now until the end of the season. But obviously, Graham Barrow as well is linked to to come back with Sean Maloney. He's spent time, I think, as a tactical insights coach at Exeter City with wow. Gary Cardwell. They're sitting That's an interesting name for a job, that is. Yeah, tactical insight. I don't really know what that entails, but he's managed no. to get them 13th in League One. I think they got two wins in the last six games. He's obviously played for Wigan Athletic in his playing career. He's managed us before and he's taken, uh, I think it was three times he was a caretaker manager for us when Owen Coyle got sacked, Gary Cordwell and Warren Joyce, I think, were the three. So he definitely knows Wigan. Do you think that's going to be enough of a a help to Sean Maloney, given that Rob Kelly might also be staying? Right, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because Graham Barrow knows the club probably better than most, which is definitely a positive. And in this sort of situation, you want a gritty sort of character to motivate and get people you know get people riled up maybe controls riled up rather than sort of curtis tilt riled up where he goes and halves someone we don't we want a bit less of that and <laughs> a bit more control but um yeah I, I don't really know what he adds alongside rob kelly i'd have assumed they were sort of basically two blokes doing the same job i don't really know i know that rob kelly's in charge of the sort of defensive side of the game and set pieces um or at least he definitely was under liam richardson and i assume that would carry on under cola because Kevin Betsy was very much an attacking sort of phases coach. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see who else joins Maloney. If he's been this tactical insight coach or whatever, whatever that means, I assume that's sort of the collective rather than a specific sort of unit. So yeah, maybe Rob Kelly will stay around and keep the defensive uh, coach role. But if we're being honest, is that not the biggest problem we've got at the minute, defending and set pieces? I mean, we've done both of them pretty horrendously this year, so it feels slightly lucky that he's still in a job. Uh, but fair play to him for digging his heels in, I suppose. He's he's outlasted two managers, so I don't see why... Uh, well, he also won a game for us as caretaker manager, so that's nothing to be sniffed at. Yeah, he's got an unbeaten record, so there, was a, there was a couple of mentions about why he's not been able to take it until the end of the season, so... I don't know. I don't think that that would have been ideal 
but no that would not have been received very well by a lot of people i can't imagine yeah i don't think much has been received well on the on the hashtag right now <laughs> it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a toxic a place to be it really is it's a wild place but i think overall i i mean i do feel sorry for colo torre and kevin betsy and astro hell not for the performances that that we got because i think a lot of them were just inexcusable but They've all just, well, apart from um, Kevin Betsy, because I don't think he was in a job up until up until we took him, but Colo Torre and Astro Hall had both just left Leicester. They had a pretty cushy job, I think, and they came to us trying to prove the way, and then now they're out of a job, and I don't think Leicester will take them back, and I don't really know where they go, but that's, I think that's um, Kevin Betsy's second firing in so much as 12 months. He got fired from Crawley, and then obviously fired from us, so. I, I, do say, I think it's what was six months, to be honest, for Betsy. I think he, he was sacked in, what, October and then appointed at us in November. So I don't think he'll get a job this year because he seems cursed at the minute. I mean, it just is a results-based game, though, isn't it? So you know what you're getting into. They knew what they were getting into when they signed the contracts and it's, it hasn't worked out. But no, that's um, that's everything, Dan. So thank you for thank you for joining the podcast again. I th- we have got another podcast coming with Dan and also Gab Sutton as well uh, in about a week time. So we're going to look back over the transfer window Hopefully we have a few more uh, few more signings through the door, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, no, I was going to say, otherwise it'll just be a repeat of what we've just said about them three. Yeah, no, fingers crossed we've got a few more options to talk about and perhaps we'll be talking about Super Sean Maloney as well. Who knows? Hopefully. All right, brilliant. Thank you, Dan. Cheers, Charlie. So as I've recorded this episode today, I keep looking at the Wigan Athletic Twitter page and I can't see any announcement, but... The, the overriding narrative right now is that it will be Sean Maloney and Graham Barrow coming to the club. I think that Rob Kelly is probably going to end up staying on. I don't think that he's really going to be going anywhere, but I asked Twitter on my Central Wigan Twitter as well. I said, what would we all think to if Sean Maloney would come in? And do we think that we are confident that if he does come in, that we could remain safe in the championship? Over 85% of the votes from supporters said that no, I don't think we'll be able to keep us in the championship. I think it'd be too much of a big ask, but I think that no matter what now, we've got to back him. This is our third attempt at a manager this season. We need to try and stay in the championship as best we can. We're still within the fight. There's only 18 games left, but realistically, we're only five points off being safe. So like Dan said in that interview, one good run and we could be straight back in it. I'm going to end this podcast here whilst I wait for more news from the club about the new manager. But there will be a new podcast next week. Um, we've got Gab Sutton and Dan Stacey coming back on just to talk about the transfers that we've had over January. Hopefully we can get a couple more in. I'd Doubt really that we're going to unless Sean Maloney's already spoken to a few because we aren't that much of an attractive club right now. But I will post all about that and let you know when that one comes out. Make sure to follow the page on Twitter. It's just at Central Wigan. And you can also follow our Substack, which is a straight to email newsletter. That is centralwigan.substack.com. And obviously we're going to report in on all the match previews, match reviews, any big transfers that are coming out, all the latest news. So everything will be on there. But That's everything from me. Thanks again to Dan and Up The Ticks.